everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in the treatment of OCD and anxiety uh, disorders. So thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. For those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast where you can send me questions about um, OCD treatment, anxiety, how it develops, how to work with it, how to help a family member with it, anything related to it, and any of the subtypes related to it. Uh, you can send me those questions over at fearcastpodcast.com. Click on the submit a question link there, and you can uh, uh, email me your question. I will read all of them, consider them, and likely put them up on a future episode. You can also send me an audio question. You can send me, or you can record your question uh, into your computer, your phone, send it over to me, or send the, the shared Google link or the, the, the link to that file uh, over at Fearcast Podcast. You can also send me a question, uh, audio or otherwise. Over at Instagram, I am Fearcast Podcast uh, over at Instagram, so you can check me out over there, subscribe, follow, whatever it's referred to over there, and uh, I post things from time to time. I announce when episodes come out, and uh, I share other tidbits of information that may be helpful for for you or for a loved one. So today we're going to be departing a little bit uh, from the question and answer format, and we're going to be discussing uh, inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy, or I. IBT. So, uh, just a little bit about uh, IBT before we jump into it. Uh, this is a, a long episode. I had a fantastic conversation about IBT. Um, I, I, I'll say in advance, if I say weird things or question weird things or use odd terms, it's because I'm still learning about this approach as well as perhaps you are. I just ordered the, the handbook for it, so I'll be going through it, hopefully to learn a little bit more about it and to see how I can apply it more. Uh, more with my clients and and perhaps share some of the information that uh, that I learn here on the podcast. So, so just a little bit about inference based cognitive behavior therapy since you are probably, uh, this is my, maybe and likely is the first time you're hearing about it. Um, so uh, inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy is a treatment method for OCD that emphasizes the role of reasoning in the development and maintenance of OCD. Treatment is then based on the idea that obsessions are doubts that arise due to reasoning errors leading to confusion between obsessional fantasy and reality. Inference-based CBT aims to correct the faulty thinking while resolving core insecurities at the root of the of the obsessional themes. So to, to discuss this approach in greater detail, I was joined by Carl Robbins. Carl Robbins is a licensed clinical professional counselor and is the director of training with the Anxiety and Stress Disorders Institute of Maryland and is a faculty member with the University of Maryland School of Medicine's psychiatry department. He has over 35 years of experience treating anxiety disorders with subspecialties in health anxiety, periuresis, and performance anxiety. His longtime mentor and co-founder of the Anxiety and Distress Institute of Maryland is Sally Winston. So without further ado, everybody, here is my conversation with Carl Robbins about inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Carl Robbins, for joining us today to talk about um, uh, inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy. And just to uh, just to start out, um, there there's been some confusion. We were just briefly talking about between the, the names, inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy, IBT. 
tell us a little bit about that if you could yeah sure actually there are there are a bunch of acronyms that have been assigned to this to this approach um uh, you'll you'll see it is sometimes ipt inference-based therapy iba inference-based approach icbt which is the sort of current preferred um attribution which is uh inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy um and um it's interesting. Um, this actually, this this uh, different way of viewing OCD um, from the one that most of us in the United States have been taught and trained and raised with uh, actually comes out of uh, comes out of a group in Montreal. Mm. Uh, two psychologists, Kieran O'Connor and Fred Ardema, um, who. Uh, who who uh, have uh, have uh, developed uh, this model uh, as well as a therapy based on the model, and actually have uh, um, shown that it can be quite effective. In fact, uh, there was a recent study that came out uh, by Fred uh, Ardema um, showing that um, IBT that the results of ICBT are comparable to those that we get with ERP and with mindfulness based work. You know, you know, I want to say something here, which it's really interesting that that um, outside of the bounds of the United States, there has been, there is all kinds of interesting work being done on OCD that that can really complement or offer alternatives to to the to the traditional American approach, we'll call it that, which is um, there's, you know, there is Fred and Kieran up in Canada. Uh, oh, by the way, sadly, Kieran died a, f- a few years ago, and it was a real Ooh. loss for the community. I yeah. want to say that. There's also uh, metacognitive therapy, which was developed by Adrian Wells and colleagues in England. And there's also the adaptation of mindfulness-based cognitive therapy specifically for OCD developed by this brilliant psychologist, uh, Fabrizio Dadana, um, in Italy. Um, and uh, all of these have an evidence base uh, that shows that they can be very effective treat- for treatment of OCD. Obviously, you know, the most, the most robust base, uh, research basis, for for OCD as we all know is ERP mm-hmm. um, you know and and what's called the cognitive appraisal model uh, sometimes you can abbreviate that as ACBT and we can talk about uh, how that differs from ICBT but I I think that it's important to know you know that that, that while you know ERP is certainly shown to be effective and is often referred to as the gold standard mm-hmm. it is not the only standard right and that there are these other ways of working with ocd that, it, that can either complement or provide alternatives to erp slash uh, cbt right right and that was 
<clears throat> that was one of my initial questions, and, and perhaps we can get in, into that a little bit later. Is yeah, how how does uh, well, I, actually even before I get into that? So how how ought mm-hmm. we discuss, or how should I refer to this approach in in our discussion? Should I refer to it as uh, ICBT inference based IBCBT? Which would you prefer? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> I will tell you that that uh, I happen to like IBT because it's easier to say. And it's easier to type on my iPhone. So, well then, so, so IB, IBT just seems short and sweet. So, all right. Well, for the sake so of our stick with it. for the sake yeah, of our yeah. conversation, yeah. we'll go IBT. But okay. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, one of my one of my questions has been, you know, not certainly how how IBT is going to be different than quote the gold standard of, of treatment, the the American mm-hmm. uh, ER traditional discussion of CBT ERP Act, all that stuff. How does it differ? And where you talked about it being complementary, and it kind of sounds like sometimes I'll read elements of it, and it sounds like it's 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 discussed as a replacement. But I I, I wonder where they are complementary, and where they are, and and whether or not they are. You're shaking your head already. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it, that, that's a that's such a great question, and 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 I think that that um, that that there that they can certainly complement each other, and and there are clinicians that are combining, integrating these two approaches in the same way that there are clinicians um, that are that are integrating uh, uh, ERP and ACT. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So um, you know. O- o- one way of looking at it is is that is that IBT is one of the metacognitive therapies, right? It's the therapy that sort of addresses how we think about thinking, and you know, and and a fellow traveler is ACT. Uh, Lisa Coyne and I have had conversations how how so much of the I, IBT interventions um, sort of. Uh, you know, travel well with with ACT interventions, although there are some differences. Um, so, so the integration is certainly possible. There are some sort of fundamental differences, though, between between the what's called the the uh, the appraisal based model, which is this idea that that obsessions are intrusive thoughts that uh, that are common. And that, um, you know, this goes all the way back to Stanley Rockman's seminal paper back in 78 showing that everybody has weird, weird, intrusive, unwanted or out of the blue thoughts. Right. And that it is the appraisal of these thoughts, right, the, the, the secondary reaction to these thoughts that is that um, that is what sort of drives OCD. Right, and and that um, and that what we're and that the cognitive interventions have to do with sort of the way that people people appraise these thoughts, and um, as well as then uh, interrupting, uh, then um, engaging in avoidance and compulsions um, that that follow from the anxiety discussed. Um, that these thoughts bring up. Well, you know, uh, O'Connor and Ardema came along and said, well, maybe there's another way of looking at obsessions. Now, and they will not deny that, in fact, you know, we have intrusive thoughts. But if you really sort of slow it down and take a closer look, 
an obsession is more than just a lot of the time it's more than just some weird random thought that it is actually there's actually a story there mm -hmm. there's a whole narrative there um and um in it, it, you know, what you might, you know, what they call an inference, right? So what we're doing in in IBT is we're going upstream from the obsession and the compulsion and the appraisal of it. We're going upstream instead of looking at the way in which we actually develop these these obsessions, um, and. And, and it's actually begins with a doubt, right? And there's there's a, it begins with the doubt and then there is a faulty reasoning process that we then go, f go through to create this story that when we are amassed, I'm sorry, immersed in that story, it can feel quite real, quite overwhelming, very important that we then need to do something about to to address this this narrative, this story, this scary movie in our heads. Mm -hmm. And so, so what we're doing in IBT is we're trying to sort of go back and catch that point at which point at which we 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 cross over into our imagination and create this story that is supported by all of these very clever reasoning tricks now let me say this you know you know i i stumbled upon upon ibt maybe f four years ago or so mm -hmm. and when i first read it i had a similar reaction to what a lot of people do when they first take a look at it. Because as soon as people hear reasoning errors, they mean you say, oh, that sounds like Becky and argue with your thoughts, dispute your thoughts, you know, try to prove that they're not true, uh, and, which we know easily either doesn't work or turns into a cognitive compulsion. And that's not what this is, right? We're actually looking at the process by which we 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 develop these 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 obsessional narratives, right? And that you also see that, and and this is something that maybe we can get into next. That I can give you an example is that in fact um, that in fact we can have certainty. Now I, now that's. That's a controversial statement. You know, within the, around here. that's a very very controversial <laughs> statement because because so much of the sort of core of the of you know of of the of the traditional ERP um, you know appraisal based model mm -hmm. is is that this is all about intolerance for uncertainty. Right, except uncertainty. Yes, we've said the, it a million the acceptance times. Acceptance of uncertainty. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and it's really interesting that, that this is one way in which the models are, are, are incompatible, mm -hmm. right? Not that, they, not that this can't be, you know, navigated, but, um, but it does require a certain amount of flexibility to sort of leave behind the sort of tolerance for uncertainty um, preoccupation and to sort of consider the difference. Let me, uh, do, you, do you want me to tell you a story? A true story from my own life that actually might demonstrate what I'm talking about here. Absolutely, okay. let's hear it. Okay, okay. So, 
the format of the story, I, I will give credit. It's, it's, this is, comes from my colleague, uh, my brilliant colleague, Michael, Michael Hetty. Mike is the co-director of the Anxiety and Stress Disorders Institute, where I'm the training director. And uh, so, so I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to adopt or adapt uh, Mike's, uh, Mike's story to my own. Uh, true story, about three weeks ago, I, I went for my semi-annual checkup with my dermatologist. All right. And, um, and he was, uh, he and he and his PA were actually doing a full, full examination of my skin and they pause because they see, oh, what's that? Not and, what you want to hear. And doctor. I can hear them sort of say, oh, wait a second. Let's pay attention to this. Right. And let me pause for a second and see if you can notice the point at which I cross over. There's a, there's a crossover point. And we talk about the crossover point. Right. And in IBT, where we go from normal uncertainty mm -hmm. to obsessional doubt. See if you can spot it in this All right. story. Okay. So, okay. So, so I, uh, so, so they, so they actually take a picture of it. They take a picture of this discolored mole and, um, you know, and, and they show it to me so I can see, yeah, I can see what they're saying, that there's sort of, that there's sort of discoloration here. Mm -hmm. And they decide that they're going to do a biopsy and remove it and send it off for a pathology report. And, uh, you know, and they give me some reassurance. We don't think it's anything. It's probably just a whatever they said. <laughs> um, you know, but we just need to cover our bases and sort of make sure it's, sure. you know, to make sure it's not anything that needs further treatment. You know, and they... You know, and I go through the procedure, and then, and then, uh, and then, you know, ten days go by, and they call, and and they have the biopsy results, and I and I call the, uh, and I call the the office, and one of the front desk people answers and sort of pulls up my chart, and says, "Oh, the doctor says um, it came back. It's completely benign. Uh, nothing to worry about." Mm-hmm. Great news. Right. Great news. Right? So notice that my that my normal uncertainty, this could be malignant. Maybe it's malignant, maybe it's not. That is normal uncertainty. Sure. But notice that the question came from from real life sensory experience. I saw it. I heard them talk about it. Mm -hmm. I felt the biopsy. So, so all of this uncertainty that was generated from it was, in fact, based on, on real-world information that came through my senses. Right. You, you, it's something that you genuinely experienced. You were there. You heard it. You felt it. It's, it none of that was, a, was, was, was a, a figment of your imagination. None of it was a figment of my imagination. And the magic word here, the critical word here, and all of this is imagination. Right? And we'll see and we'll see what happens next. Okay. Okay. So oh, oh, and by the way, you know, while I was waiting for the results, I was imagining 
God, what would it be like if they came back and told me that it was malignant? You know, there was somebody that I know who just had an equivocal finding. They had to go back to the doctor and almost have like a Mohs treatment. You know, how much deeper are they going to have to go into my skin? And what if, you know, God forbid, it turns out that this is, you know, metastasized. I I, I feel like I might have heard the crossover. Well, actually... Are we not even there yet? actually, 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 I would say that most people most people would sort of naturally go into that story but again it's sort of based on the fact that there that this is that you know you know that this that this uncertainty is was launched by was was sort of triggered by real world events right okay so 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 i get the so i get the biopsy results and he says it's fine i so i hang up the phone or even before i hang up the phone i have the thought well what if she's reading the wrong chart after all, you know, you know, when I think about it, people often, you know, my last name is Robbins, but people often mistake it for Robinson. Mm. And maybe there's a guy named Robinson, like Charles Robinson, mm-hmm. right, where she's actually misread the, right, right, she, she, she got the wrong, and, you know, it's possible, possible. right? And, and, and then he... Um, so and that she read the wrong chart. Mm-hmm. So maybe what I should do is is call back, and um, maybe I should call back and I should maybe find somebody else who's maybe less careless than this person that I imagine to be careless. And, right. You know, maybe call back and check and have them check it for me. Just double check. Okay, so better safe than that. sorry. Better safe than sorry. Double check. So I call back. She, sure enough, she reads the same results, and then I have the thought, well, wait a second. Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. What if they actually uh, mixed up samples in the lab? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, when you think about it, medical mistakes do occur. Mm-hmm. They have malpractice insurance for a reason. It's, that they have malpractice insurance for a reason. That's such a good point. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, you know, actually, if I think about my own personal experience 15 years ago, I can even see it. I can remember it. I, I can even see it. I went to Rite Aid and I got these pills and they were not only, I can't remember, it was either. It was either the wrong dose or the wrong medication. Mm. Medical errors occur, and you've experienced them. And I and I have the own personal experience, so I can like borrow right. that experience and bring it in to support this story this that I'm story. telling myself. Well, okay, so and you know something else. Um. I want there's a there used to be a website called How Many of Me. Oh. And I found out that there are 300 people in the United States with the name of Carl Robbins. So, what if in fact mm-hmm. it wasn't Charles Robinson, but it was a Carl Robbins, but there is a different Carl Robbins. Right. C- Carl that, J Robbins. That, and, that the exactly. Right. And so, all right. So, 
so so is this not the typical obsessional narrative Ab- it, yeah and one of one of you know and one of the that has certain features number one there is no end to this and there there's no end to this because because i'm trying to solve or trying to figure out something that is completely occurring in my imagination Mm-hmm. Now I can make it sound convincing by borrow it by making all of these reasoning errors like out of context facts, mm-hmm. general rules, hearsay. Um, you know, the, oh, here's another one. You know, as I was thinking this, I could, I could feel really anxious and uneasy. And if I'm feeling anxious and uneasy, there must be something to this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be feeling this way. As if the imagination alone can't do this, right. which we can go into some more, right? Okay, right. so th- so that that's one feature. There is no resolution because my mind will only make up more stuff. There's no end to it, and this is isn't this how OCD works? Absolutely. Yeah, but what about? But what if? Okay, okay, and again, it's it's it it's supported by these. By the, but you know, uh, you know that 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 when you look inside of it, it it it, it kind of makes sense, right? And I think that that one of the things that patients report when they do ICBT is that you know you know we're so used to saying ah we're not going to get the content it really content doesn't matter, and what we're not so much looking at content, but we're looking by the process by which you build this story. And then it's no longer so bewildering how we can get sort of so caught up in these narratives, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 in its own way, it, quote, makes sense. Right. 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 Okay. So, so here is what is really what we target at the center of of IBT, which is something called inferential confusion. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a number of studies that show that there's a high correlation between inferential confusion, there's an inferential confusion questionnaire, and OCD, and that the resolution of inferential confusion is correlated with a decrease in the Y box in recovery and being able to function and and you know and reducing or eliminating compulsions or avoidances. Right? And what inferential confusion is mm-hmm. is that it's is that it's the confusion between between sensory experience, five senses experience, and common sense versus the imagination an imagined possibility right mm-hmm. I, and I, i'm writing the, these down here for for my own notes i don't know if the audience is doing it too that, that, <laughs> oh we've got a lag all right go ahead um yeah yeah yes yes so what you can see is is that there's a you could see that crossover point, right? Right. The crossover point was when I hung up the phone and say, oh, what if she read the wrong chart? And boom, I was off, right? That's the crossover point. And that the what if was an invitation to cross the bridge from the real world of information that I get through my retina and my eardrum and, this, and, and, and what I can 
smell and taste and touch and what makes common sense to me. And I cross the bridge into this OCD bubble, into this imaginary uh, Alice in Wonderland Stephen King movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And once I'm there, and once I'm there, there, there is, there is, there's a way out. But I'm not going to do it by arguing with content. So in that way, we, 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 you know, you know, you know, it really agrees with this sort of idea that you know, you know, the disputation is not disputation in a you know in a in a traditional cbt sense kind of challenging the legitimacy of the thoughts yeah yeah i mean but but it is but it is a recognition right that there's a that there is that there's a choice and to recognize that i've been hijacked by my imagination and that the choice is is whether i'm going to stay there Mm-hmm. Or, gonna, or I'm going to come back across the bridge and anchor myself in in my in my common sense and sensory experience, right? Right. What I actually know to be true. Right. It, 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 it says th- this this step feels like it's the um, well, it's sort of like the, the the anchoring, the grounding point, maybe from act. It sounds like the response prevention components from act, pulling yourself back from the the the, the brink of mental rumination. Yeah. Yes, exactly, and and in fact, sort of once you cross into the bubble and you and you start sort of making stuff up, more and more stuff up, then you try and sort of solve this sort of imaginary problem, right? And and um, you know, and and that in fact can be a mental compulsion, mm-hmm. or if you're so caught up in it. Any scary story is going to make you feel anxious, mm-hmm. so it's going to so it's going to quote feel real. We call it a lived-in experience, and so it makes perfect sense to then engage in compulsions, or to avoid doorknobs, right, or to call back, or to say, you know, you should send me the pathology report because I want to make sure that it's that the Carl Robbins is me and not Carl Q Robbins from you know from dundalk so um yeah so so let me stop there and 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 you know and i think i i think what would be useful next is to is to talk about the uh, the uh, movie metaphor which i think is another way of sort of identifying this process okay yeah i think that'd be fantastic uh thing to, to shift into i mean certainly it, for for listeners of this podcast we've we've talked about anxiety as the anxiety story that you know when you get that obsessive thought your brain does tell you a story it's you know it usually starts with well what if this happens and it delves into that possible and and confuses possible with probable and you know we don't like the outcome of that story so therefore we do those compulsions as a resolution as the as the way we've discussed yeah. it so this kind of yeah. A, a, yeah. adds to that and, and, and broadens yeah. it out yeah. um yeah 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 so 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 here you go so okay, let's go say so let's say let's say that you and i go to the you know you know i have a niece who who likes to who likes to drag me to to scary movies and particularly i remember we went to see texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> whatever that whatever it was sure. okay so let's say that we go to Tex, texas chainsaw massacre 10 all right and sure enough you know we get to that we 
get to that you know scene where the stupid teenagers are you know are you know hiding in the garage and the guy with the mask you know and he 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 uh, Oh, by the way, this particular metaphor, I want to give credit to Dave Carbonell, who actually Dave is, a lot of Dave's stuff is very compatible with IBT. Uh, I, w- I want to point that out. I highly recommend uh, Dave's work, anxietycoach.com. Okay. Anyway, so, okay, so, 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 so we're sitting there at the movie, we're seeing this sort of scary movie. Now, now let me point something out. You know, what we are talking about is actually a form of dissociation. Right, mm. that that is that that the experience it it, it it's a form of dissociation. Mm-hmm. It's called imaginal absorption. Right there, there, there are you know there are three kind there are there are sort of three subscales in the dissociative experiences scale. This is a little uh, technical, but but I think it's worth pointing out. One is depersonalization, derealization. And, another is amnesia and then the third one is imaginal absorption and this 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 tendency that we can have to get sort of so caught up mm-hmm. in our imagination in fantasy etc absorbed immersed those right mm-hmm. um and in fact there is evidence that there is a high level of imaginal absorption in people with OCD, right? that, that it's elevated, and I want to point some out. What's fascinating is is that although we talk about dissociation, this is independent of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't this. I mean, could be, but it's not necessarily the sequela to somebody having a traumatic experience. This is a this is a tendency. Um, I'm not sure we could call it a trait, but um, you know, a, a certain um, vulnerability, you know, to sort of get lost in our imaginations. I was going to say, to a right? certain degree, this sounds like kind of, it's it maybe the same thing or maybe very similar to kind of daydreaming, that phenomenon yeah, of daydreaming. See, see, that's such a good point because actually we all dissociate. Right. right? Daydreaming, both, right? Which is going to have a very, very pleasant experience, right? Right. That's a dissociative experience. You know what else is a dissociative experience? Is going to the movies. Why do we go to the movies? Because not because we want to be immersed in somebody else's imagination. Right. Right. We're being immersed in the screenwriter's imagination and the director's imagination. Because right? our reality and, I mean, was not terrifying re- enough. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. As if reality, you know, and some, <laughs> and, you know, it's really fascinating. Sort of, sort of like given the fact that we particularly nowadays we live in such a scary world you know wh- why in the world would we seek this out but of course it's a great question so you know, it's a, you know um, so okay so what happens in a movie right is that you are absorbed in the movie and so when we're sitting there and that chainsaw revs up we are reacting our our bodies and our emotions are reacting as if it's actually occurring mm-hmm. right our palms are sweaty. Our heart could be beating fast. We haven't. We can have an urge to run, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then, and then, somebody three seats down sneezes, and we suddenly snap out of it. We've like been in a trance, right. it's like being in a trance, and we realize, oh, it's just a movie. Right. Now, the moment at which we realize 
that it's just a movie that we, in fact we are not in danger and as and as dave carbonell says our bodies are filled with fear but it doesn't mean we're in danger that's right. part of the trick of ocd and panic and and social anxiety right is that we could be filled with fear and not be in any danger right is that even though you know we have that metacognition right oh we're just watching a movie this is just photons hitting a screen that's mm -hmm. really all that's going on right. right is is that is that we will still have left over adrenaline and emotions and sensations um that we need to metabolize and basically just wait until those fade but part of this sort of faulty reasoning process that we can do is is to say oh well if i'm feeling this there must be something i need to do i need to duck under the seat or run out of the theater or whatever uh, right? natural so, biological fight or flight biological fight or flight but of course you know like in panic you know it's a false alarm so mm -hmm. there's nothing to do right that the, that there's nothing to do that once we realize it's just a movie once we realize that we've been absorbed in our imagination there's nothing to do other than to wait until the feelings subside you know and if we want we can we can put our attention on something else mm -hmm. other than the scary movie but but we're not talking about this is not experiential avoidance is not distraction it's not thought suppression it is uh it is a shift of attention back to reality right back to you know feeling our feet on the floor mm -hmm. right tasting the popcorn or whatever it is all right now okay here's you know let's talk about uncertainty so what's the uncertainty here well is it still possible that somebody could could bust into the theater with a chainsaw and chop us all up well yeah it's possible, possible but any but anything is possible right so to then say what's the uncertainty that we're tolerating that we're not tolerating any uncertainty what, what we're what we're doing is is we're coming back to reality from our imaginations being hijacked by a very very clever set of tricks right right and I, mean, I, and I, I hear a lot of clients will then get into that argument with themselves. Perhaps this is it within that OCD bubble you're talking about of, well, you know, that having someone, you know, bust into a, the, the movie theater with a chainsaw, that's that's well beyond the, the, the pale of possibilities or probabilities. But, mm -hmm. you know, me, me getting me getting stabbed or poisoned or COVID or, you know, shot at for that matter, that's much more likely. So therefore, I'm going to worry about that. They might make that shift. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. I'm, I'm taking it into a yeah, different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really good thing. And and you know, and I just want to say this that 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 there that a lot of sort of people, you know, and I've heard some experts sort of object to IBT and say, "Oh, you're just talking about probability estimation." Right. Right. And so, but, but, but we're not talking about high or low probable events. Mm -hmm. again, again, we're always coming back to the process and the process by which we get immersed in our imagination, mm -hmm. right? And, and by the way, and then, and then build this sort of convincing story. So it is, it is, the nature of the construction it's not 
the nature of how relatively probable it is. Mm-hmm. All right, um, you know, um, I was I was just thinking of something, but I, boy, I have so much to say on this, but I, I just. <laughs> Just lost what I, what I was going to say. So, so, so does that does that make? So, oh, 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 oh. Let me just say. Yeah. Let me just say. You know. You know. You know. You know. Whether it's. You know. It's really interesting. Think about this. Why are germs such a such a favorite such a favorite target uh-huh. for OCD? Because they're invisible. Oh, because they're invisible. Oh, there you are. Right? right? <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I know we just had a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, because germs are invisible, right? And so they are ripe for us to imagine all kinds of things. You know, and let's face it, you know, when Anthony Fauci, you know, he doesn't carry around an electron microscope. So when he's sort of explaining COVID-19, mm-hmm. he probably, you know, is sort of imagining the spike proteins, et cetera, right? right? But, but he's using his imagination in a way that's sort of grounded in reality and grounded in what he's actually seeing under the electron microscope and what lab, you know, you know and what studies tell him rather than his sort of wild imagination. And, and it's so interesting because, because if you really sort of slow it down and probe, probe you know, these stories that we tell ourselves can be visual and auditory and you know it, it, it they they can you know you know it's not just the thought oh you know what if i lose control and stab my beloved is that you can actually get the image of you grabbing the knife and you know and, and i think that that point right there is where a lot of clients get so stuck is they'll they'll use the line or something to the effect of but it feels so real and if okay. something if it feels so real aren't i supposed to trust myself or how can i then trust anything that's oh boy that that is that is really where it gets us right that's really where i get, where it gets it gets us and all right and 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 that is that is a tribute to the power of the imagination, isn't it? It's a powerful right? thing. But think about this. Think about this, right? When you have a nightmare, mm-hmm. when you're inside of a nightmare, it, quote, is real, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and all kinds of crazy stuff can be going on. You could be flying <laughs> and being traced by dragons and talking to the president of the United States and, anything is possible but when you're inside of it 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 emotionally and physically feels real yeah but then we wake up and when we wake up we can still be shaken by it but we realize oh that was just a dream we say that was, that was crazy just, or that, that was, was wild. crazy you know you know but you know but it's not you know but but when we wake up from the dream right it's not like oh i need to go you know, get a sword so I could fight off the dragon. Right. 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 There's nothing to do. Right. Other than to maybe wait to calm down. Right. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, and, and there are going to be after effects. Right. So, so let me, uh, let me, you know, you know, what's sometimes useful is, is to, in terms of exploring the power of the imagination, mm-hmm. is to, is to sort of explore, and this is what, what some of us will do with our clients, yeah. um, 
that will take them through a guided exercise on something on something um, pleasant all right and you know and I'll do one or two things I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll say and I and I won't do this with you now but but you know but you can sort of try this on your own sure which is which is to sort of imagine that you're with your favorite celebrity on a desert island and it's just the two of you and you're walking down the beach and the weather is perfect and and this celebrity is really into you and and you go into sort of a vivid erotic fantasy and you know and if you really get into it your body can react if you know what i mean i do know right? what you mean and so right and so and and that's it it can quote feel real mm-hmm. but then when you come out of the fantasy mm-hmm. right you're not going to call the celebrity for a second date there's nothing to do there's, no, there's nothing to do Right? You're, there's nothing. There's nothing to do in reality with something that's occurred in your imagination and fantasy. You know, here's another ex- guided exercise that we do. Right? Which is, which is, um, you know, you know, imagine yourself and you buy a lottery ticket. Lo and behold, you know, you win the Powerball and you start fantasizing about, about, yeah. about you know, all the things you can do, setting up and your dream car and all the vacations, and, mm-hmm. you know, and your, you know, your kids are set for life and everything else. And, you know, it could be incredibly pleasant. You can smile and it's just, just like, oh, it's such a relief to never have to worry about money again. Okay. Now, when you come out of the fantasy, all right, are you going to call the Mercedes dealer and put down a down payment? It's silly. It's ridiculous. That would be right. You're not going to act right. on it. Right, because you realize that you've just been lost. Right, in in this in in this case in this in the, right. in this pleasant pleasant bubble. But but again, I think with the, this fantasy you're talking about, it, the, these fantasies, these are those egocentric ones, the ones that we th- those are the ones we like, and those don't trigger that that tremendous fight or flight feeling with that no, that no. yeah. No, but they can trigger pleasant feelings. But they can, but but they are powerful enough to elicit an affective response. That's so, the point. So to illustrate that, just the power of our imagination uh, 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 can create it, it, just just the power of our imagination. Let's take something as simple as 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 you know, close your eyes, okay? All right. Close your eyes and sort of see a lemon. And imagine you, this is a hypnosis induction. Yeah. This is quick hypnosis induction. Okay, you know, and imagine a lemon and, you know, and and you imagine yourself holding it and you can smell it, right? And then imagine sort of taking a cutting board and a sharp knife. That may be a trigger for some people, mm-hmm. right? And you cut the lemon mm-hmm. and the juices flow out and you take a wedge of the lemon mm-hmm. and you put it up to your mouth and you bite down on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. A lot of us who do that can feel the bitterness of the lemon. Right. What is that? There's no lemon. Right. What's the, the, is the lemon real? Is is you know? No. It's this. This once again shows the power of the imagination. The imagination is a wonderful tool. One of my favorite quotes is is from a guy named Dan Zydra, which is he says, "Worry is the misuse of the imagination." Ooh. 
I like it. Worry is the misuse of the imagination. Okay, let me let me take you through one more experiential exercise, and this is this is what I this is this is something I want to demonstrate here. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So 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 I want you to I want you to come up, and you know people people on the podcast can do this. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. Okay. I you know by the way this is not imaginal exposure and the role of imaginal exposure is just not something that we do in ibt and i can explain that to you it gets quite controversial because that's a sacred cow for a lot of people so we we can have that uh, let's absolutely talk about that in, in in a little bit but yes let's go okay let's okay, go with this. okay okay so but but okay so 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 here's what i want you to do and and this is again th this is i want you to sort of think about a worry a what if that you have whether it's a realistic worry or a less realistic worry mm -hmm. right all right and um okay and when i say go i want you for the next 15 to 30 seconds go into the worry mm -hmm. okay ready go All right, now come back. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now, first of all, how hard was it to come back? It it, it took a it took a little pull. It did okay. take a little bit of a pull for me. It, it, so yeah yeah yeah. So so there's a certain gravitational pull to sort of stay inside of the worry, right? It, yeah, there's almost um, for from my experience, it could be different from others, but there was almost like a a, a stickiness, and as you kind of pull away, there's almost like a a, a, a reverberating echo, and it gets quieter as you pull away. Absolutely, for me, absolutely, and, and and I will also say that there's can be even be a little bit of a not just right experience, like you know, like oh, shouldn't I sort of stay in this and sort of was solve it or figure it out or right right that there could be that's a good point that. right it's interesting it's called the zygarnik effect but they, it, it, it's called the zygarnik effect but we, we <laughs> i won't get into that but, <laughs> but the 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 um you know but but the the um so let me ask you a question but but really sort of coming back although you have a little bit of a pull but c coming back wasn't it wasn't particularly eff effortful what by the way you did something you did something when i told you to come back I, I, what I did think you do? I, I, I looked at you. That you came back and you made eye contact with me. I yeah, I grounded. I, okay. I, yeah, go ahead. Which is what which is what everybody does when when, when you do this exercise. Whenever yeah. you say intuitive, we we know to come back. Well, what are you doing? You're coming back. You're literally coming to your senses. Right. You are you you are making eye contact. What is that? Oh, here I am. I'm back to reality. I'm back right? with I'm this person. Out of, uh, okay. Now, what's really interesting is 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 you. We also do something. We also do something when we go into the obsession or go into the worry. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And see if you can notice it. Everybody does this. I've actually had only one person, and I'll tell you who that was, only one person who didn't do this. You ready? Okay. Go back into your worry. Go. There it is. Uh, yeah. What did you do? I, I, I looked away. I looked away and down for me. 
you looked away and down, right? And NLP and people, all kinds of But sort of people sort of, do this. People get people, that. I'm okay, up, okay. I'm now, why do we do that? Because what we need to do is we need to disconnect mm-hmm. from sensory contact with the present moment. And you could see how this really sort of gets into mindfulness and act, Absolutely. right? It's a fellow traveler. Yeah. That we need to disconnect from sensory contact from the present moment and... In in order to withdraw our attention from sensory input, in order to sort of go up into the bubble, up into our imaginations, in order to go into the story. Which is why sometimes when you are recognizing you are gone, you are really lost, Mm -hmm. right? One of the best things you can do is a fundamental grounding exercise, right? I mean, I, you know, I get to tell you a personal experience, you know, I, I, you know, uh, somewhat of a long story you know but i was you know i I picked my wife up from the hospital and she had a and she had a uh uh you know she she had had an injury and we put her in the back seat and propped her up against the door and i was thinking to myself oh make sure that you lock that door and you know and we had to getting her settled and i took off and i'm driving down the highway at 65 miles an hour and then i had Oh, I never locked the door. And then it was like, what if the door flies open and she falls off? And all of a sudden, I am into, I can see my beloved wife's head bouncing down the highway. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I just said, whoa, wait a second. Boy, you are gone. And, you know, and I got to tell you, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you know, and it was, I mean, it took my breath away. You know, and I and and you know, and I literally had to ground myself. I mean, it was like that. It could be hijacked. And you know, what's actually fascinating about that is is that is that actually is sort of that's actually linked to a personal story that I won't go into about about why that particular theme came up. Mm-hmm. You know, not that that you know you know that helped me sort of understand that even that was not a random event right that it has to do with my own history and my own what's called vulnerable self theme etc i want to ask about uh, those too yeah 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 so um right but i think that's so i I think that's such a great kind of red flag for clinicians out there to to notice when someone is looking away and also for for individuals uh struggling with anxiety when when you find yourself disconnecting are you are you looking away are you looking down and also one way to then reconnect reconnect to a to that person that activity the thing that you are ostensibly focusing on for yes. you, it sounds like it's driving at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, and what we are basically talking about, and, and let me say this: I'm okay. getting outside of IBT here. Sure. What we are basically talking about is attention. Mm-hmm. What we do with our attention. All right, and and this is this is one of the big contributions of metacognitive therapy. Adrian Wells' work. He has a whole module on attention training. And that so much of worry, OCD, even depression has to do with how we pay attention and that we can actually train ourselves to pay attention in a different way. Right. Okay. So, so you know, and, and really if we talk about, you know, um, you know, you know, come back to the present moment, what we're talking about is, 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 is bringing our attention, right? Oftentimes, to bring your attention to your breath, what are you doing, right? Your breath is here, it's real, it's something that you can contact, you know, 
that's you know Tangible. out of your mind and into your life is right right okay now this is really really important that is not distraction we are not distracting ourselves we are not saying oh you know we're going to push away these thoughts we're going to push away this narrative we're going to get rid of this narrative by counting ceiling tiles that's distraction right what distraction is distraction is is i'm going to shift my attention concentrate on something else with the goal of pushing something out of awareness that doesn't work that's where we get the ironic process that's where our thoughts and our images tend to bounce back it, which is really different than oh i notice i notice x mm -hmm. i can notice that it's there i can notice it has a certain pull but i can bring my attention i can choose to bring my attention into my senses into valued behavior right into connection with this person right it you know and so what i'm doing is is that i'm sort of disengaging from either the rumination or the obsessional narrative right and by the way i'll say this i think tolerance of uncertainty when it really works is that it is it is a it is a semantic tool to get us from disengaging from rumination and from the obsessional narrative which is it's basically there ain't nothing i can figure out here we let it go we let it go we let it be you know i i, I you know you know i i you know there's there's nothing to be uh, resolved here which i which i will say that that is quite different than saying you know maybe i'm pedophile maybe i'm not Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, I, 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 I really, and you know, I'm certainly not the only one in the field that has real problems with that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then maybe that can lead into a conversation about the fear itself, the vulnerable self. Right, right. And to to the point about distraction, we've we've uh, on the show have talked about that. Where where you know the, the the term distraction or the words that we use can you know some some therapists will use different words, but I think that to to it's the the intention behind the action. If you are focusing on some, I could focus on you so that my distract or my my fear that you had me uh, think about mm -hmm. disappeared or was suppressed or or went away in some way or i can redirect to you so that i can anchor myself in something tangible it but it doesn't yes. eliminate this other thought it has no. that echo or that yeah. that yeah. that presence yeah. yeah yeah and and i will say that th that the to get at BT, it's more than just mindfulness because what it is is that once we recognize that we are caught up in our imagination that we are you know pulling in you know out of context facts and appealing to sort of general rules and irrelevant personal experience of building we, i think it's fair enough to say that i could sort of dismiss that right it which is not the same thing as sort of suppressing it, it the 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 Mm -hmm. the, the feeling you know and you know you know and i'm a person with a, with a lived experience and i i you know and and i have found enormous benefit from ibt um i would say that it's taken my recovery to 
to to to to a different level. My experience is 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 that I just drop the story. It's just I'm just not going there. It's also, it, 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 it's a recategorization is useless. It 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 it's useless, and, and there's a sort of a fundamental sort of letting go, disengagement, um, um, dismissal, right? But it's not suppression. It's not pushing away. It's just it's just you know anything more than 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 then this is this is just these are just photons on a screen these are just words in a book this is just you know a dream i had when i was asleep right, right. it's it's that kind of almost like effortless this again like you know the word that i come up with disengagement dismissal etc oh oh can, can i come back let me just come back to the uh, to the exercise to the eye contact exercises yeah, Fascinating. yeah. the one person who was able to maintain eye contact and stay in his story was a professional actor. Oh yeah. And when you think about it, isn't that isn't that what acting is? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. You you you've got this script, right? You've got the script, which is completely made up, right? 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 And yet what you're doing is is that there are props and there are other actors on stage and so you are engaging with them at the same time that you are following the script that's a that's a uh, uh that's a refined skill that's how that's that's what you learn how to do do is to be able to be in both places at once most of us have a lot of trouble doing that Right? It's usually sort of like one or the other. We're sort of in reality or, or we're in our imaginations. And right? that's why they get paid the, bit, the big bucks, I guess. And that's why they get the paid the big bucks. Right, right. So, gosh, well, I, I and this is, this is to a certain degree, I hear the overlap here between this approach and kind of the Michael Greenberg uh, approach as well of, 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 letting, of letting go, which I, I, will, I will also maintain is easier said than done. To anybody out there who's, who's suffering with this, who thinks that it's, it, it sounds just so easy, it's, it is, it, it's, it's easy and complicated at the same time. Absolutely. So if, Absolutely. You, if you're struggling and, and, with that, you're not the only one. Yeah, and 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 there is an entire sort of process that you go through, and 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 yes, and 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 I don't want to in any way say that this isn't um, I I won't say hard work, but that but that this doesn't take time. Although what's interesting is is that there do seem to be these sort of quantum leaps that people take. Actually, some of the some of the data shows that IBT can work more quickly than ERP, and 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 one way of sort of understanding it is 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 that is that we're sort of addressing the obsessional process itself rather than what occurs downstream from 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 the obsession. The place that we start in in inference based therapy is is we plot what's called the obsessional sequence and then there's a predictable sequence mm-hmm. it starts with a trigger and then there's a doubt mm-hmm. what if right and then there is this the consequences of the doubt which is which is this this story that we create with these reasoning devices mm-hmm. with imaginal absorption then there's a consequence of that which is to feel anxious or disgusted 
right? And then and then and then then the consequence then then the consequence of this, which is the compulsion or the avoidance, right? Mm-hmm. And so we spend a lot of time just sort of slowing the whole process down, right? And and sort of being able to identify that sequence and just that process of sort of being stepping back and sort of seeing that is oh wow, right? You know, I really am getting hijacked, and in some ways. It makes sense, right? I mean, it makes sense that I would go wash my hands or check the stove or drive back and see if I ran somebody over from inside of the story. It's, it, it, I, I can't tell you how validating this is for people, right? That this isn't, you know, you know, that, that, you know, that, that there's a reason why we get so hooked, well, it's kind of like, yeah, if if A did lead to B, then yes, C is the thing that we ought to do. But yeah. A does not always lead to B. Right. Right. And and you know, and in this particular case, what what how A leads to B is 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 the is what's called inferential confusion. Right. 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 And and um, you know, and that's what what we need need to address. Right, right. So I, I, I wanted to then touch on the. I, I know there there's so many concepts that we could get into, and I, but I I, I won't um, you know make, make this a masterclass right now. But I, I'm I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about the vulnerable self themes. That's been something that as I'm reading this feels like it. it yeah. It, this is where you know as we talk about with OCD, where it's, we, we've said it you know a hundred times that the obsessions latch onto the things that we value the most, and I think that that's yes. where that yes. connection is. Yes. So if, could, yes. could you talk? Talk a little bit about this. Sure, sure, and 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 um, and and indeed, you know, it it always, you know, right, right, um, you know, OCD, right, always attacks the th- or usually attacks the things that we care uh, the most about. Um, you know, there's a uh, just just really quick. There's a wonderful story about about you know Pierre Genet who. Uh, um, who was a uh, who was a historical contemporary of Freud's and was one of the first. He was a French psychiatrist and he was and he was one of the first to sort of explore OCD. And he was interviewing a uh, this this a woman that had sort of standard uh, you know harming obsessions about her baby. And he said and he said and he said to her, well, well, why don't you have harming obsessions about your husband? Uh-huh. And she, she, she had a great response. She said, "Well, I don't love my husband enough to have harming obsessions about him," which, is, <laughs> which, which just just sort of captures the sort of the sort of essence of of you know how about how OCD can and, look and, and, and then that would lead into our OCD in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, yes. Exactly. Well, well. Wait a second. If I'm not having harming obsessions, that must be that I don't really care about my husband. I don't love him. I should do. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Yes. 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 Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. So. So then. So. So then, what happens is is that the obsession becomes a checking compulsion. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 Well, let me let me let me try and have a harming obsession. Oh my God! It doesn't bother me. I'm with the wrong guy. Anyway. So. Sorry, go ahead. So, I sidetracked so, this. So, 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 you know, related to this, these, these sort of um, uh, core self themes is this idea of the vulnerable self, which in which in is some. I mean, you know, one way of looking at it is is that is that that there's there's the self as is, 
and then there's the self as could be right and in some ways this is this is the imagination on steroids right that sort of somehow i don't really know who i am right that 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 there's you know um you know you know that i'm not you know that I'm not really Doctor Jekyll. That really deep down inside, I'm Mister Hyde. All right, and usually this 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 vulnerable self theme. Um, um, there, there's a, you know, that if we look at our obsessions, there's this, you know, some some people could say it's uh, Greenberg might say it's the it's the core fear, right. Right, right, but it's something like this is the kind of person I, I'm the kind of person who could be, right, and and it could be careless and reckless, right. I'm the kind of person who can lose control, right. Um, I'm the kind of person who really doesn't care about other people, and that I'm sort of selfish and manipulative and. Right and 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 in fact, this is exactly the opposite of who you know yourself to be in reality. Right that that in fact, when you observe yourself in reality, you are, you know, you are a person who's actually over controlled. You're, you're, you know, you 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 care about people to a fault. You are vigilant about about you know you you're actually quite careful and not a space cadet. And and now now I can hear people saying, right? Oh, well, that just sounds like a reassurance compulsion. Yeah. Yes. That that as I was reading more and more about this, there is an element that does feel like some of the exercises can lean in that direction. Yeah, how okay. do you separate those yes. two then? Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 I think and I think you know, um, you know, it, it it all depends on the function of it, right? And, um, you know, and. You know, which is that? Which is that? Are you sort of frantically trying to, to, um, to tell yourself this story, in order to um, reassure yourself? You know that you're not a serial killer, a pedophile, or a baby killer, or or uh, having a different sexual orientation than you know yourself to do right right that that which is okay so that there's another yeah. process that we go through right <clears throat> and this is and this again i will i will say it a lot of people sound well this sounds like a reassurance compulsion and it's not okay all right which is which is the alternative story mm-hmm. and the alternative story is based on reality on based on what you can what you can actually observe about yourself when it comes to the, to to the to the vulnerable self theme and that that we are so good at constructing um these 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 imagined scary stories that 
for many of us, we need to actually spend some time constructing these sort of reality-based stories. Now, now, when we when we do this process in ICBT, at least at the beginning, we're not doing it at the moment that we're triggered. Because if we do it at the moment that we're triggered, then you're right. It's just going to become an argument, you know, and some reassurance compulsion that's going to fail. So, so, so what we're so so what we do is is that we is that we actually sort of build this 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 story this reality based story. It could be of the true self or of what's actually sort of happening with doorknobs, or or you know the oven or you know our relationship with our kids. And that what you're practicing doing is immersing yourself in reality, <laughs> strengthening that muscle uh-huh. in the same way that we have an over, you know, an overactive muscle when it comes to immersing ourselves in the could be, the what if, the scary stories. Right? And that over time, you know, let me, let me borrow something from from uh, from uh, the Donna, uh, the guy who did uh, who who developed MBCT, which in many ways is the fellow traveler with ICBT, which is he frames OCD as a trust disorder. It's a really just sort of really really interesting idea. Right, and what happens is that we just faded out. We're, we're, I'm losing you a little bit. Um, Let's see. You still there? I, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that may be my Wi-Fi. So okay. Is is that it's a is that it's a is that it's a trust disorder, and then what happens is is that in OCD, we lose trust in our senses. Like for example, oh yeah, I can see, I can see that the oven is off. Right. But I can't quite trust that I'm actually getting the right information. That we mistrust our memories like, oh, maybe I actually did something horrible and I don't remember it. Maybe I ran somebody over and not only did I not see it or hear it, but I don't even, or maybe I did see it and hear it, but I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Right? So we mistrust our senses, our memory and ultimately ourselves, that I'm the kind of person who could snap and do something horrific, that I'm the kind of person who could be, who could be negligent and, you know, and allow my kids to get injured, um, you know, and, um, you know, um, you know, or I'm the kind of person who's, you know, you, you know, who's not really a person of faith, that I'm actually, you know, you know, a blasphemous heretic, you know, and and so so what what IBT offers is the possibility of restoring ultimately restoring trust in yourself. And let me tell you that that is a whole lot different than let me tolerate the uncertainty about who I am. Maybe I'm a pedophile, maybe I'm not, right? Maybe I'm a 
murder or maybe I'm not. Right. I, and I, I hear, I think that's, there, there's something incredibly powerful in that idea of, tra- when I, when I first had read that, probably, probably on the, 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 the forum, the Facebook forum talking about this, um, it was, it, there, there is an, it resonated very strong with me to the, the idea that it's a, it's a trust component or tr- uh, an element of trust. I, I, I hear that, I guess, how does IBT deal with kind of the obsession similar to like, well, what if I'm be- becoming or turning into someone who is a pedophile? Because I could rely back on what I've done. I know I haven't done anything. Okay. But, okay. Wh- but what if I become, okay. and the same thing would be for okay. sexual orientation. Okay. OCD. okay. 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 So let's, so let's, so let's plot that. Yeah. So, so let's plot that. As soon as you hear the what if, all right. It's usually the red flag. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's the crossover point, right? You, right, right. You, you, you are, you are going over the bridge into your imagination, mm-hmm. right? And the question is, what is it about reality here, right here, right now, that tells you you're a pedophile? So I, nothing. I'm- well, what if they? So the the response might be, all right. Well, I'm, I I had that thought about. I had a sexual thought about that child I saw over there. Isn't that what a, a pedophile would say? I'm being devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting right. free, free therapy here. Right, 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 right. And and you know and and you know and, and you know and we could also say, oh, well, not only did I have that thought. All right. Yeah. It's it's um, you know I felt I felt some kind of tingle in my groinal area. I felt a groinal sensation. Great, more evidence. Right? Great, more evidence. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. Now. Now. That's what a pedophile is. Uh, right. Okay. I mean, you know. I mean, you know, it, it is. You know, but, but but let's sort of sort of step back from that. Yeah. Right. 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 And 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 you know, let's let's look at your behavior. You know, let's look at your fantasies. Right. That's you know, and and again, you know, this can sound like refutation, reassurance. Right and say, oh well, you're just going to have to learn how to live with the uncertainty. I think we can do better than that. Uh-huh. You know that 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 in fact that in fact, you know, what is it that really tells you, you know, that you know that a you know that a that a thought tells us anything about who we are. Right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, you know, um, you know, I can I can generate a thought. Uh-huh. You know, you know, you know, you know, I can I can gener- generate a thought that um, you know um, that um, you know, and I could actually generate a thought that you know I I uh, you know is is that I could be an NBA basketball player and I'm going to sit by the phone. And I could even I can picture myself. Um, I can picture myself, you know, you know, getting called called by the Golden State Warriors to right. I mean, 
so what, does that mean I'm a basketball player? I mean, what would, you know? But I, I mean, but I feel it so much. And again, yep. And again, there, 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 there. We're back to how could there must be something to it if I feel it in my body? Well, ain't that the power of the imagination? Right. And that di- and yes. And then that difference between you yep. know having yep. having an experience versus having desire, yep. or having arousal versus having desire. Those y- y- are yes, different yes, things. yes. And this gets into you know Emily Nagoski's stuff on all the research right on non-concordant arousal and there are people that will criticize that because that can turn into a reassurance compulsion which you can certainly right? all but, these but, can but it be. can also be used yeah, yeah let me say something something about reassurance all right <laughs> all right okay <laughs> okay you know Fred's Fred Ardenna one of the you know you know my mentor in IBT and one of the co-developers I was telling you you know when I was I was skeptical and I was saying to him you know, Fred, that sort of sounds like reassurance. I could just see, you know, people from the States saying it sounds, sounds like reassurance. And he said to me, what's wrong with reassurance? <laughs> you know, I mean, reassurance is only a problem if it becomes a compulsion. So we're going to be burning him at the stake at the IOCDF conference? Yeah, you know, so, so, so you know, you know, Druid's Lot is an interesting podcast. One of your competitors has as an he 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 makes a distinction between assurance and reassurance. I mean, you know, when I got that biopsy result, that's reassurance. What the hell's wrong with that? Right, right. It's, you it, know, you know, you know, you know, information. You know, reality-based information is helpful. Is uh, is helpful, and it's humane. You know, you know, and, and, and you know, there's this sort of crazy. It gets kind of crazy. This kind of, you know, you know, you know, you know, abstinence from anything that sort of sounds like reassurance. That that you know that that you know that if we say, you know, you know that we somehow are going to be in reinforcing our patients OCD if we if we give them useful information let me also say something about the what if I'm a pedophile thing there's yeah, another yeah. sort of nature there, there, there's a you know and and the feared self and what could I become there's something you know and Fred talks about this there's something so selective and arbitrary about it right it's it's like well why this well, you know, you know, in every other context that doesn't have to do with your vulnerable self theme, if you have a thought like that, you'd say, "Well, that's a nutty thought." Right. You know that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. So, so look, you know, you know, here's a Mike Mike Hetty exercise. All right, all right. You know, trees fall on houses. I have a large. I have a I have a large evergreen that's you know and it's been kind of shaky. There have been some limbs that have fallen out. Oh, what if what if that tree is unstable and maybe I need to go, you know, and maybe I need to go, you know, stare out the back window and make sure that that the tree isn't falling on my house, mm-hmm. right? I mean, well, you know, that doesn't hook me because it's not. You know, it doesn't sort of hook into my 
it's not connected to trauma. It's not connected to a particular sort of vulnerability of mine. You know, you know, if, if I had some history with that, it might, it might hook me. Right. 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 You know, if I lived in the Midwest where there are a lot of storms and, you know, my neighbor's houses were getting crushed, but you know, it makes sense that that might, but, but it still doesn't mean, but it still doesn't mean, and this again is that sort of, it is that, is that is that inferential reasoning error which is that it still doesn't mean that my tree in my backyard has anything to do with you know you know with the tornado that caused my neighbor's tree to you know to fall on their house right those right? are different again trees. this is this sort of out of context reasoning that's part of ocd's trick to get us to sort of pay attention and engage with these narratives Right, right. But but they're so arbitrary. They're so selective, right? right. And we, and it's something that we don't do. Even though even people with the most sort of intense OCD, they don't do it in other arenas. Let's say that that thought about the tree had captured you. Would that speak to a vulnerable self theme of something like I, I'm I'm the person where bad stuff happens to them? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, you know that I exactly that 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 I'm that I'm fundamentally sort of snake bit. I have bad luck. I, I choose. Know, um, I put myself in bad situations because I bought the house. Yeah, there, there you go. You know, and you know, and and you know, and as you and I sort of talk about it, we're, we're now using our imaginations to imagine the kind of thinking that somebody else might do but you could see that if that was your theme that it would hook you yeah right 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 but it doesn't but it doesn't make the tree any more the tree falling on the house any more relevant than it is to you or me who doesn't have that vulnerable self theme right so to to that end to to the discussion about reassurances right and things that are reassuring i, I know we've taken a lot of time and I'll, I'll let you go here in a little bit no 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 i'm fine uh, but, I'm, I'm fine i love talking about this stuff I, it, it it is it is it this is I, I got to tell you that this is just sort of such an exciting and interesting way to work. It, it, let me just say, as an aside, you, you know, which is that which is that this is not the holy grail. This is not the panacea. It's not magic. You know, Fred. You know, you know, Fred will be the first. You know, Fred Ardema, the co-developer, will be the first person to say, you know, IBCBT doesn't work for everybody. You know, um, you know. Uh, you know, and in the same way that ERP doesn't work for everybody, you know, and, 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 you know, and one of the things that one of the missions of some of us in the world that, you know, in the OCD community that are drawn to things like, like, like IBT or metacognitive therapy or MBCT is that let's, let's be more flexible and open that if this ain't working, maybe the, maybe the solution isn't to isn't oh come back when you're ready, or you just have to do more of it, or you're not doing the exposure the right way. That may be true, or maybe there's something else. There's an alternative approach that we can either incorporate or see that as a standalone package and see if that works. And 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 you know and, and that's. That's really, um, that's really. I think you know, and 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 I will you know, and I'll give Jeff Sismansky you know credit that he really is 
is you know you know opening open to hearing different voices you know one of the good news is, is that mike hetty who's really a wonderful teacher in terms of ibt is now part of the btti is part of the part of the iocdf training which is which is which which is for me incredibly exciting let me say one other thing one of the we we now we we now have over 250 members of this facebook page of clinicians who are interested in in uh in in doing uh in doing um in, in exploring IBT, I, we call them IBT curious, and um, uh, the the um, and you know and if there are clinicians out there who want to who want to join us, uh, send me an email. I think it'll probably be on your page notes or whatever. Um, and um, and and uh, you know it's a wonderful learning community. There is there there is a subset of people. Who, who like me are people with lived experience and found enormous benefit from this way of viewing OCD mm-hmm. right and I think that there's something worth paying attention to there and these are you know some of some of us some of them are people that have spent years doing more doing ERP, which isn't to say that it hasn't been beneficial to them, to 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 doing the the um, you know to using the the you know the the appraisal based model, etc. But 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 the fact that 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 this can sort of really resonate with clinicians who know CD from the inside out, that's worth paying attention to. That's worth checking out. Right, right, um, and as I, as I read more about it and I hear more about it, there's there is something that resonates and feels, fe- feels, true and feels very helpful and applicable in these situations. Where I think in some areas of, of CBT, of just traditional CBT, it's it it's kind of missing something. It's kind of like how I felt when I heard when, when I first started hearing about ACT as the as the one of the missing puzzle pieces in relation especially in relation to like what do you do with your brain in the middle of an exposure yes that's exactly right yeah yeah and you know and and there was a lot of resistance in the you know in in, in the sort of conservative part of the you there know of the behavior is. therapy you know you know you know you know <laughs> and it's still happening you know yeah. but you know but aren't we all tribal I mean, you know, aren't we all, sure. you know, chimpanzees in our troop who want to go to war with the with the troop across the, you know, that's sort of being human and, well, you know, and, and, you know I, think, I, I think our job is to sort of, you know, you know, accept that that is inevitable and to and to be aware of that we all have that tendency and to sort of be able to sort of step back and say, hey, you know, let's at least be a little bit curious about, you know, do you, do you want to talk about imaginal exposure or do, or do you need to go? I, I can, uh, why, don't, why don't we talk about some imaginal exposures and then I think yeah, that this, yeah, this yeah, will be yeah, a, a, yeah, one of the winning yeah, longest yeah, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so just to sort of summarize sort of yeah. what, what are, what, what are, what are some of the, you know, what are some of the sort of potential incompatibilities between sort of traditional CBT ERP treatment and IBT? One of them is this whole notion of the difference between normal uncertainty and obsessional doubt and what is the role of tolerance of uncertainty you know and 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 that is not a focus of ibt which is a real change for a lot of people right because that is you know many see that as the 
you know, as the core metacognitive shift or cognitive shift. And, okay. Right. So, um, so another one is, uh, you know, there, there are a couple, but, but another one is, is the role of imaginal exposure. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So now I will say that I know that the literature shows that imaginal exposure can be very helpful for people. I know that there are people who have been in treatment and that has been an important part or or a a um, you know um, central tool important part or the central helpful modality, right? Um you know uh, you know my own personal experience is, is that you know, and I'm not the only one is that is that you know imaginal exposure often sort of doesn't work very well right and that when it and what it really works it's that the story gets so outrageous and preposterous that it sort of collapses and, and you know and it creates a you know a kind of diffusion like this is BS, right? Right. I mean, I mean, I think that's what happens largely when imaginal exposure is really helpful, you know. But here's the question: if 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 imaginal absorption and inferential confusion is what drives so much of OCD, why would we want patients to rehearse that? Mm-hmm. Why would we want patients to practice crossing the crossing the bridge, getting getting so immersed, lost in their imagination? Okay, so people would challenge lost, but so immersed in their imagination to make it so vivid, mm-hmm. right? That that it seems to me, you know, that it that that. That, that as I've understood the role of inferential confusion or imaginal absorption, it, it doesn't make sense to actually in, encourage or have people practice that. Now, now I, I know that something else can happen when you get people to do that, but, but I think that there certainly are people that have, that sort of, I've met clients that have sort of been given imaginal exposure and, and you know, and it, you know, and all it does is just, you know, make them, you know, they don't really learn anything. It just, they just, they, they just, just feel the, they incredibly, just read the incredibly upset. Some people will say they're traumatized by it. I think that may be somewhat of an exaggeration, but that, 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 that they don't find it helpful at all. That, you know, particularly as we're getting away from a habituation model. Mm-hmm. Right and and you know which is the idea that oh we're I'm going to replay the script over and over and over again until it doesn't bother me so much anymore. Uh, you know I, I you know I could see where that happens, but but um, you know you know and you know and if that's been an important part of your treatment or you know or your clinician and you see that very helpful. I I understand your experience is not mine, but it, it, it's just it's just it's just I think it's unnecessary mm-hmm. and 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 in some ways just 
<coughs> basically in, incompatible with my current understanding of and, and other people's understanding of OCD. Does it, that make sense? Yeah, it's, it seems like it's 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 almost the the acknowledgement that the, the the person is already having enough of these thoughts. So to have more is unnecessary, and furthermore, you are you are yeah. playing. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. As you said, you're you're rehearsing the process of going into your OCD bubble. Yes, 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 and and I want to say something. It's more than thoughts. It is the experience it is, of it. It's a it, it it is it is mental imagery that can be vivid. And as we say, right, 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 like people will say. My God, you know, how could I, f there must be something to this because I, you know, because I feel it so intensely. Well, if you want to do imaginal exposure as a way of sort of demonstrating the power of the imagination, great, okay, but, but let's be clear what the intent there is, right? Right, 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 right. We're not, we're not trying to sort of get people to habituate to it. Right or or you know or to learn how to sort of tolerate the distress I, you know I mean you know that can be created by this incredibly horrific story. Right, I think that yes, I, I, I think that's a very fair criticism of of cognitive or imaginal exposures. There's 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 a lot to be said I think in, in either direction and you know I've I've certainly assigned them I'm sure you've assigned them in the past as well but there there can be a you know if the approach or the understanding is this is a, an exercise to experience the power of your imagination whilst you practice re response prevention while you practice I kind of I, I say it to clients this way is that th th thoughts that suck suck. In other words, there's no unsucking a bad thought. That yeah, thought yeah, is yeah, uncomfortable. If you yeah. feel uncomfortable, it's like because they're uncomfortable. In yeah. a sense, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, and 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 yes, and I can, uh, you know, I can see the, you know, you know, and I can see the the, yeah, you know, the the support for that. I understand that that particular model is, you know, but but as Reed Wilson says, it's just not what I do. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and you know, you know, you know, and I think I think it's important to to say that, you know, you know that there that there as you know that there are multiple roads to Rome, mm -hmm. right? There's not just one road to Rome, and 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 you know, you know, and if this road isn't working, it doesn't mean that you just have to, you know, continue go down, going down the same road only this time with with more commitment and more courage and, you know, and more hours. And, you know, I mean, you know, you know, that may be true or maybe it's time to try a different road that, that we're all trying to sort of bring this message to the community. Like, like let's, let's bring to our patients that there, that there are options, right? Yes. That there's, that, that, that the gold standard is not the only standard. Right. You know, you know, and if that's and if to, to the extent to which I can make that contribution to the OCD community, that that will be a, that will be a satisfactory legacy for me. Well, I I, I think that you've um, I, I, I think that you're doing that right now. I think that you've been doing a lot of that in the work, uh, certainly on the Facebook groups, kind of preaching to the choirs 
I suppose. Um, and uh, but I, I do appreciate your time. I think we'll we'll call it quits here. And I think there's uh, okay. if if there are if folks do have questions um, for you for a future episode, would you be open to coming back on and chatting about how to apply? Uh, some of this I'd, stuff? Lo- I'd love to. I'd love to. I, I, I you know you know I love talking about this stuff and and um, you know I you know and so um, I'd be happy to come back anytime. This has been this, this has been a great experience. This is what works best for me. You know, is a conversation. I am, I am the world's worst presenter when it comes to sort of slides and lecturing. <laughs> I but, find that so, hard so, to believe, but all right. I, 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 I'd love to, you know, you, 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 I'd love to have conversations like this, and you know, and I hope that all of us can have more and more conversations like this with openness and curiosity and respect for each other. Um, Carl Robbins, thank you so much for all of your time. I really do okay. appreciate it. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. Great. See you again soon. See, see you on the Facebook group. I'll okay. see you on the Facebook okay. group. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for making it through that very long episode. I will try to keep this last bit short, but again, thank you so much for making it through. So I asked Carl if he would be willing to answer any questions on a future episode that that you might have about how to integrate uh, IBT into um, uh, into your treatment, or about maybe some of the topics that we discussed. Maybe you know if you want to go further in detail, I would love to go further in detail with Carl about um, about the role of exposure. You know, we kind of talked about how exposure. In, in this approach is kind of a sometimes thing. More questions. I know we've talked a lot about um, uh, scripting as exercises, and obviously Carl is, is not for them necessarily. So if you have questions for a future episode, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, send me your question over there, and uh, if I get once I get enough of them, I'll, uh, I'll wrangle Carl back on uh, for another conversation to go further in depth about this. So um, everybody, please remember that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about your treatment and need a little bit of help and assistance, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some uh, information and some links there that may be helpful for you. So everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.